um, <clears throat> a series of books, uh, Joshua through Esther. And again, we call them, those are history books. We've already done the Pentateuch as far as the first five books. These are the history books. And then we've had a lesson on the walls of Jericho, the League of the Gibeonites, Joshua's last instruction, another generation, seven cycles of apostasy, the story of Ruth, the child Samuel, Saul the first king, David defeats Goliath, Saul becomes David's enemy. That was last week with Brother Daniels. I appreciate him preaching that on the enemies. And then this morning is David becomes king. And so kind of going through the history books of um, the Old Testament. And so today we're looking at 2 Samuel as far as uh, David becoming uh, king. All right, I'm going to pray and then we'll look at the scripture. Father, thank you again for letting us be here. Again, please uh, speak to us, help us. Lord, may we not just have information, but Father, may it be something that would be inspiration to where we would change our life and help us be a better Christian. Thank you for your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, a semi-similar lesson as far as King Saul. Going to hit some different things. Obviously, Saul was the first king. David was the second king as far as the children of Israel. And I, I want to, I don't know, I've got a couple different directions to go this morning, but we're just going to see what the Lord allows us to do. I might just deal with one thing this morning. But, uh, you know, David's life um, was very, very interesting because really there's very few people in Scripture that God gives us so much information about. I mean, when you think about David getting to see his life um, as a youth and then getting to see his life uh, in his prime and then get to see David's life in his old age, uh, you get to see David on a good day when he's killing Goliath and you get to see David on a bad day when he's committing uh, adultery with Bathsheba. I mean, they just, God didn't do that with every character in the Bible, but there's so much for us to learn uh, from, from David's life. And one of the principles I want to teach this morning, and I really I do have two, two principles and I don't know if we'll have time to do both of them, um, the first principle I want to talk about this morning is what God did in preparation for David's life. And the second thing I want to, if the Lord allowed us to this morning, I want to deal with is what caused God to make David the king of Israel. Now, a little bit different uh, in its scope, but uh, I, want to, I want to try to deal with some of those things this morning. The first thing I want to deal with this morning is really the idea of what God did to make David king. So let's read some scripture first to kind of get us started this morning. 2 Samuel chapter number 5. And uh, let's go ahead and I'm going to pick it up here in verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 1. Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh also in time past. When Saul was king over us, thou wast he that ledest out and broughtest in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. Isn't it interesting that uh, if you notice in the context of what's being said here, the children of Israel come to David. Now remember now, David is king um, in Hebron. And he, first, before he becomes king of all Israel, he first becomes king of, in, in Judah. And of course, the capital being Hebron. And then David is going to go and now be kept, uh, um, king of all Israel. And he's going to go to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the capital. So here, uh, Ishbosheth passes away. I know we didn't read the pre previous, but Ishbosheth passes away. He's, he's murdered. And now the children of Israel come to David and say, listen, uh, you're, you should be king. You're the guy that came in and out. You're the guy that led Israel. And then I like the phrase that's mentioned in verse number two there. The Lord said to thee, thou shalt feed my people Israel and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. They already knew that David was supposed to be the next king. Now, when Saul died, what happened? Abner, the captain of the host, he puts Ishbosheth up as king. That was not God's plan. David was supposed to be the next king. Look at the next verse now, verse number three. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, 
and, uh, to King David and made a league with him in Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem he reigned 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. Now, the first principle I want to kind of deal with this morning and talk to you about is this. And again, I know we're not going to turn to a lot of scriptures, but it's because you know uh, the scripture, okay? Uh, David, uh, he is the son of who? All right, son of Jesse. I didn't mean to tax you too hard there, but he's the son of Jesse. And uh, David, uh, does anybody know, how many children, did, sons did Jesse have? Eight. He had eight, very good, he had eight sons. And uh, was David youngest or oldest? Youngest. He's the youngest. And so uh, when Samuel comes in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he comes to anoint the king. Uh, uh, seven of Jesse's sons are there, but not David. It's like, almost like Jesse thought, well, I, we don't need David here. If, if Samuel's here to anoint a king, it surely won't be the youngest. And so uh, I like uh, when you look at the scripture there about uh, Samuel, uh, I'm sorry, Samuel coming to Jesse's house. Uh, when the first guy came up, was, which was Eliab, you know what Samuel said? Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. In other words, he looked at Eliab and said, that's the next king. Now, and of course, we know the verse, 1 Samuel 16, verse number 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now, what I want you to see this morning in preparation is this, is that there was several things to David's life in preparing him for what God wanted him to do. God wanted him to be the leader of Israel. He was 30 years old when he became king. We do not know how old he was when he fought Goliath. All we know is he was a shepherd's boy uh, taking care of the sheep that came to, a, came to the field of battle to check on his brothers. And all of a sudden he's standing out on the field fighting Goliath. Now, I don't know if he was 16 years old, 17. I don't know if he was 20, but he was, he was definitely not old enough to go to war because he would have been there with his three older brothers. Are you with me so far? So if he's 30 years old when he becomes king, that means he ran from Saul for probably 10 or 13, 14 years of his life before God got him to the place where he wanted to use him as the king, and he was king for 40 years. Now, can I just tell you, when it comes to us and our personal life, God's got a plan for our life. But God has to take us through several things of our life to get us to maybe that plan or purpose of what God wants to do in our life. And so many times, because we cannot see the future, we get a little hesitant. Now, this morning, can I illustrate just for just a moment? I, I've always wanted to cook, and I'm not a cook, but I thought this morning I'm going to try. All right, so if I'm going to make bread, how many of you ladies in here have made bread? Now, I'm not going to ask if you fellas have, because fellas don't make bread, all right? We make dough, but we don't make bread, all right? How many guys in here like to cook? Any guys in here like to cook? Okay, there's, there's several of you guys like to cook. Good for you. God bless you. All right. So I can't cook whatsoever. And to be honest with you, I think the only thing I've ever cooked is macaroni and cheese. I think. I don't think I've ever cooked anything in my life. Best way to cook is go to a fast food joint. Amen. So, so this morning, I, 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 I just real quickly, I, I went and got the directions on how to make bread. All righty. So I got my directions here as far as how to make bread. I need my glasses so that I can read it. So... From now, listen, I know you ladies, if I'm doing it wrong, don't tell me because I don't know that I'm doing it wrong. All righty. All right. So when a person makes bread, uh, I know that this is not homemade bread, but I'm going to go ahead and use the mix. All right. The first thing this says here is combine the mix and yeast in a bowl. All right. So we're going to combine the. Goodness gracious. All right. Let's try these. All right, 
combine the mix in the bowl, all right? So we put the, bread, the mix in the bowl like so, all right? I'm not gonna make a mess up here, all right? Next thing it says, it says add yeast, all right? Dry yeast, all right? Put the yeast in the bowl, all right? That's the first thing it says. Then it says here, add hot water, butter, and an egg, all right? Hot water. Am I supposed to put this together? Mix. Oh, first I'm supposed to mix. I'm supposed to mix. Mix, yeast, and bowl. Mix, mix. All right? So now, all of this has got a purpose, all right? I guess that's all I'm supposed to do is mix in the yeast. And the second thing is add hot water and butter and egg. Hot water, butter, and an egg. Are you supposed to crack the egg? Yes. <laughs> Does it break open? <laughs> All right, egg. Next, stir until Soft dough forms, all right? Stir until soft dough. Is this what I stir with or is this what I stir with? Spoon, spoon, all right? So I'm going to mix this up, put this thing together, all right? Now, there's the yellow. How come the yellow stays together? Are you supposed to mix it in there? All right. All right, put this thing together. Mix this up together. How long is this going to have to do this? You know what, I'm just telling you, this is not like fast food. All right? All right? It says here, stir until soft dough forms. This thing is taking forever. Okay. Um, stir until soft dough forms. All right, now, here's the principle I'm trying to get you to see. You need every step of the bread. In other words, you can't put this thing together and leave something out, all right? Now, I'm not a cook, okay? You figured that out, okay? I'm not a cook, but I, gotta, I figured out that you have to have all of the ingredients for this to work, all right? So when it says that you're supposed to stir this until soft dough forms, I'm getting close, I think, all right? Soft dough forms, all right? Then it says, after I do that, knead dough five minutes. I don't have five minutes, all right? Knead dough, all right, so my guess is All right, now, you're supposed to fold this thing over and over and over. I don't know if this is how you're supposed to do it, but am I doing it wrong? All right, am I doing it wrong? This is kind of like Play-Doh, all right? The problem is it doesn't come off, all right? Okay, I think I did this wrong. Did I do this wrong? Flowers on my hands. All right, flowers on the hands. All right. All right, and then you're kneading the dough. Hey, this is starting to come together. This is good. This is good. All right, now, when I knead this thing, it says you're supposed to knead it for five minutes. We don't have five minutes, so we're going to pretend that we did it for five minutes. All right, when this thing is kneaded. All right. All right, this is better. This is better, all right? Now, when that is done, cover dough with bowl and let it rest. 
why would it need a rest when I'm doing all the work? Okay. It needs breathing time. All right. Hey, hey. Need, let rest for five minutes. All right. Let it rest for five minutes. Place in covered pan and cover and let him rise. Okay. All right. Now, here's what's going to happen. This guy gets all kneaded up. And once he's kneaded up, he's supposed to rest for five minutes. So let's give him a, let's give him a quick break before we get started. Now, what I'm trying to get you to see, and we're going to get there, okay? Well, it's got to be in a covered bowl? Okay. All right, it's in a covered bowl for five minutes. All right, now, now listen. Think about this. This is the Christian life. All right, now, I'm glad I don't do this for a living, okay? But you think about the Christian life. David became, first thing that David became is he became a shepherd's boy. He's out on the, on the hillside. And it was during those times on the hillside that he's fighting a bear and he's fighting a, a, a lion to be able to save the sheep. He goes from being a shepherd to going to being the uh, armor bearer for Saul because somebody heard him playing with a harp and Saul's having a bad spirit. They said, I saw this guy that was overtaking care of these, these sheep and this guy, he can play really well and you ought to bring him in. So David is brought into the king in the palace and he's playing for the king and, as, as an, and he becomes the armor bearer because Saul loved him. He becomes the armor bearer. Then he's getting sent back home because there's a Philistine battle about to take place. He gets sent back home. He's taking care of the sheep and his dad calls him as a son and says, hey, listen, I want you to take some uh, food to your brothers and, see how the, and, and take their pledge and see how they fare. So he goes to the army and he sees his brother and his brother says, hey, listen, you shouldn't be here. And David says, is there not a cause? And he goes out and he fights Goliath and he cuts his head off. Then from there, David is taken and he's been made a captain. I don't read all the verses with it, but you know it. David is taken and he's made captain of Saul's army. Now think about this for a second here. Later on, he's going to be demoted because Saul becomes jealous. But at first, he is captain over the whole army. Amen. Then he is demoted because Saul hears about them singing. Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And now he's demoted to where he's got a thousand men underneath him. And then David is going to have javelins thrown at him. And eventually he's going to say, hey, I don't think I better stick around here. It's not good for my health. So then David becomes a fugitive and Saul's going to hunt him as a fugitive. And he's going to run for his life and, and be on the run. And then God's going to bring 400 men who are in debt, who are discouraged and who are distressed. And they're going to make David their captain now. Alrighty? So then those men are going to follow him around. He's going to end up over with Achish in the Philistine place. And he's going to go and make raids. And of course, uh, he's going to be called to battle to go with the Philistines. And he doesn't have to because God intervenes. He comes back and his city's burned to the ground as all the wives and children are taken. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> David comes into Hebron and the, for, for, for seven years or six years and seven, seven years and six months, David is king in Hebron and because two tribes wanted him to be king. Then all of a sudden we read to, our, to this passage here in 2 Samuel chapter number 5, and now all of Israel comes in and says, listen, we want you to be king all of Israel. And for 30 years he's the king of Israel. Or for, I'm sorry, for 40 years he's the king of Israel in his life. Now, here's what I'm trying to get you to see this morning. There were several things in David's life that had to take place before he could become king of Israel. And you know what happens in our, in our life is this, is God brings things into our life just like making this bread. There's several steps to making this, making this bread. And what happens is, is we don't like all of the steps. What we don't understand is all of the steps are necessary to get us to where God wants us in our life. 
You know, it said in this thing here, after you get done and it rested, it's rested now. It says, place in, in prepared pan, cover and let rise. All right, so we're going to make this our prepared plan, pan. And we're going to put this dough in here. And then we're going to cover it. And we're going to let it rise. Now, church, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, I don't know bread. I don't know how long you're going to let this thing rise. But from what I understand, the dough is going to, is going to rise. And then once it rises, well, then we're going to take the bread and we're going to put it in the oven at 350 degrees for 20 minutes. Now, can I tell you, what a picture of the Christian life that there are going to be things that are going to undone to our life, just like making that bread. There are certain ingredients of like taking care of the sheep or being an armor bearer that had to be part of David's life in order for him to become king of Israel. Can I tell you, nobody likes to be put in an oven for 350 degrees, not even the bread. But God has to put us sometimes through some heated trials in our life to be able to raise us up so that we can be what God wants us to be. You know, when, when it's all said and done, my bread is going to look like this. I just want you, I, it's, I've already sliced it. I've already got the, the nice brown top. That's what it's going to look like. Just nod your head and act like that's the case, all right? Now, can I tell you, you don't know the finished product of what God's doing in your life. And you're not going to know that until you get to heaven. And, you know, you're going through different stages of your life, but every stage of your life is important because of what God's trying to put into your life in preparation. We don't see the finished product. Remember me showing you those puzzles years ago and how I told you how when we put a puzzle together, we glue all of our puzzles? Because we're not going to do a puzzle a second time, all right? You put a puzzle together, you glue the puzzle front and back, and it's a permanent picture of life because you don't want to take it all apart and put it back together. People who have mental problems take puzzles apart and put them back together again. How many mental people do we have in here, all right? All right, several of you, all right? So at our house, when we get done with a puzzle, we're gluing it because I don't want to touch that puzzle again. And there's been several times where a piece got missing, where we finished the puzzle the next day and a piece fell off and we missed it. But guess what? We still glue it anyway. And, ever, and forever you're going to see a puzzle with that one piece that's missing. And a lot of Christians, they decide in their life, I don't like what God's doing in my life, so I'm not going to let God do what he wants to do. But can I just tell you, you're going to be missing that piece the rest of your life. So what you have to do is you have to come to the conclusion that if it's a death of a loved one or if it's a loss of a job or if it's an offense with a Christian or whether it's sickness that you're dealing with, these are all pieces. Hey, you have to go back to what is divinely appointed that God's allowing in your life and what is self-inflicted that you brought into your life. I agree, I agree there's some pieces of our life. David did not like the piece of his life where he committed adultery with Bathsheba and that was self-inflicted. But there's no way of taking, a, taking apart, taking care of sheep and being an armor bearer and fighting Goliath and all the different things that God did in David's life to prepare him to be the leader that God wanted him to be. God does that in our life too. And you know, you ought to be thankful that God does that in your life. And even when that needing's going on where God's pounding out some things in your life that shouldn't be there, and I know that we don't like those kind of things, it makes us the Christian that God wants us to be. Now, I have time this morning. I want to just point out three or four things from the scripture here on what, why did God use David and what, did, what was unique about David that caused God to use him, all right? So if you've got your Bible there, let's look at a couple together. Turn to 1 Samuel again, chapter 16. Look at verse number 7 with me. 1 Samuel 16, verse number 7. I quoted this verse earlier, but I want you to see it with me. 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7. When Samuel comes to Jesse's house, and he looks at Eliab and says, surely this is, the, this is the one. And then God says in verse 7, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. Read the last phrase. 
Lord, look at the heart. You know what? When it comes to leadership and as far as what God wants to use us, he is looking at your heart. And listen, I know that there are a lot of people that says it doesn't matter what's on the outside. Well, you can't, you can't take away the first phrase, man looketh on the outward appearance. There's nothing you can do about that. We always want to dwell with the second phrase, well, the Lord looks on the heart, okay? So it is important for testimony's sake because man does look on the outward appearance. But can I just tell you, if God's going to use you in leadership, it has to do with what's going on on the inside. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of the issues of life. There needs to be protection of this heart and mind, the heart being the mind. We've got to protect that thing because God's looking about, he knows what we're thinking. And so our heart needs to be right with him. And the only way to have a clean heart, as David said in Psalm 51, the only way to have a clean heart is to make sure that we put the word of God in. Because the word of God is what cleans our heart. And God looks at the heart. All right? So when the reason David became king is because he had a good heart. All right? Something else, and again, you know, turn to this one, but I've already mentioned about taking care of sheep. I already mentioned about him being the armor bearer. I've already mentioned about him taking care of his brothers. Can I just tell you that the reason God chose David to be a leader is because he did a lot of jobs that were unseen. In other words, there were, what the, I call it unassuming, but there was, uh, he served in areas that were unnoticed, all right? Hey, it's good to have Brother Nathaniel on uh, staff here. He just came on. He's only been with us for about three weeks, but he's done very, very well. Um, already, and I'm thankful for that. And I might, I'm careful sometimes about saying too many good things because he might really mess up tomorrow. But, but Nathaniel really came on staff to do jobs that are unnoticed, all right? And he is not going to be necessarily always the one that you're going to see on a regular basis. We're talking about him now because he just came on staff. But I want to tell you, just in the three weeks that he's been here, you know, when it comes to, to mowing grass, and you know, you know what his first job was? All right, this is the, what I gave him, okay? I, I write put things on his list, but the Daniels puts things on his list. But the first job that I gave him when he came is this. It's been bugging me forever. The front ditch line where all those trees were growing up. I don't know if you ever noticed it before, but if you come from this direction, from the Compton area, coming this direction, you can see it. But there were a bunch of saplings that were growing up in the ditches because our mower can't get down there. You know what his first job was? Take out all those saplings. I want, every, I want them gone. I want that mode. I want it to look nice. And that's, but it's a little job that people will not notice, but it needed to be done. Can I just tell you that when God's going to prepare you for life, it's going to be about those things of getting up in the morning and have your devotions because nobody sees you get up in the morning and have your devotions. Amen. No, nobody sees you pass out a gospel track when you're by yourself and you tell somebody, hey, listen, when you get a chance, would you read this track? It tells you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. It's those unassuming, unnoticeable things that made David the king that he was. Let me ask you a question. If a lion came along and took one of your sheep, what would you say? Enjoy supper. <laughs> if a bear comes along and takes one of the sheep, what do you say? I got enough left. God bless you. Pray over before you eat. What would cause David to fight a lion and a bear when there was nobody else but him? Because he was willing to do the jobs that were unnoticed by anybody else because it was right to do. Can I just tell you, God wants us to be leaders. He wants to use us in a lot of different areas of our life. But it will always be, you know, how many times have you heard this statement before? Character is not what people know you as. Character is what God knows you as. We often look at a person by their reputation because of what we see. God looks at a person because of what their character is. You know what your character is? It's what you do in the dark. It's what you do when nobody else is around. And that's what God does in preparation for using us for leadership. So when I look at David, I see that he had a good heart. When I look at David, I see that he, had to, he, he served in areas that were unnoticed to others. Think about this. When I think of David as far as what, caused, what God did in preparation for David to be a leader and how God used him, 
You ever thought about this? David, now I don't know the age, but he comes to Jesse's house. He's the youngest of eight. He hasn't gone to the military yet, which means he was probably under 20 for sure. And he's anointed king. He does not become king in Judah until after Saul dies, and he's at age 30. Now, we know, I think, I think we can confidently say, that he had to have at least waited 10 years, at least, before he became king when he was anointed king 10 years earlier. Amen. You know what caused him to be a good leader? He was willing to wait. He, he didn't get, uh, he didn't get uh, uh, before God's plan. In other words, yes, he was anointed king, but God said, I'm anointing you king now, but this is when you're going to become king. You know, I was thinking this morning um, that, you know, Samuel's leaving for college tomorrow, and he was here at our college the first year. He was going to college. And um, my, my wife and I are going to drive up there tomorrow and drive back on Tuesday and uh, be here for our college to start on Wednesday. But, um, you know, I'm 52 years old, and Samuel's 19, I think. He's 19 years of age. And Samuel was born 12 years after we were married. And I think sometimes, you know, it sure would be nice to be taking my kid to college and being 42 when I felt like doing something and not 52 or, you, you want to play a game of checkers? But that wasn't God's plan for our life. It wasn't God's plan. God had a particular plan for our life when it came to children and, and, and life and ministry. And all of that comes together as God sees fit. And I want to tell you, every portion of it's important. And it's important for your life. And sometimes you just have to wait for God to do what he's going to do in, do in your life. You've heard me say before about the adoption thing. I don't know that we would have adopted right after we got married. But after you haven't had children for seven and a half years, you don't mind adopting. Amen. And I want to tell you something, adopting was good for us. Then it was good for the children that God gave us. And, and obviously the Lord made sure that it was going to take place in our life. But there's things that you're going to have to do that you're going to have to wait. Church, I mean, when I became pastor of Heritage, I had already worked several years for my father. I wasn't looking to pastor, and the Lord brought us here when we were 25. But I want to tell you something. There are guys, as soon as they get out of college, they think they're supposed to pastor a church, and they're going to have 1,000 people coming to it. Right? Can I tell you, sometimes God has us wait. Okay, yes, you're going to be a pastor, or yes, you're going to be a missionary. But you got to do this. David Smith is not here this morning, I don't think, is he? David Smith's not here, but David's missionary in Kenya. When he graduated from college, he wanted to start deputation. I said, I wouldn't do that, how are you? I said, you're going to get married. And I said, I would stay home with your wife for about a year. And I say stay home, work a job. So he went and got a job, worked for a company. And then after that year, actually a year, year was done, he said, okay, I'm ready to start deputation. I said, no, you're not ready to start deputation. I said, you need to come on staff now. And I think he was on staff for a year and a half. I can't remember how long he was on staff. He was on staff more than a year, but he was on staff. And then, I, and then he came back and says, you know, am I ready? I said, I think you're ready. You know, sometimes we have to wait for what God's doing in our life in preparation for, what, for God's will. Now listen to me this morning. I know this is a Sunday school hour, and some of you are sitting here thinking that that's good for somebody else or for somebody that's in ministry. That's not how God looks at our lives. He looks at our lives as we're his children. He's got a plan for our life. You know, my, uh, if I can use Samuel again, you know, Samuel is at that age. He's not here this morning. Right? I can talk about people when they're not in my auditorium. <laughs> you know, Samuel's going to go to college, and I know with all my heart, that, and I've already, we've already experienced a little bit, there's things you just got to let go of 
They're going to make good decisions, they're going to make bad decisions. But if I keep making every decision for their life, they never have a time to grow up. Amen. All right? And believe me, I would rather make every decision for them. But that's not how life is. Life is we let our kids grow up. Sometimes they make bad mistakes, and we say, hey, listen, that was dumb. Don't do, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> okay, do it. See what happens. Hey, can I tell you, that, that's part of our life, that all those parts. And we, so we've got to have to wait for God to do what he's going to do. Quickly, not only that, <clears throat> I see that God was looking at his heart. We must serve in areas of unno that's unnoticed to others. We must wait for God to be, put us into leadership. Think about this. We must realize leading is not about us. Look, this is important. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I want you to read this verse for me. 2 Samuel chapter 5, uh, where we started this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 5, look at verse number 12. It's an interesting verse. In verse 10 it says, And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Uh, verse 11, And Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. Verse 12, And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he exalted his kingdom. What's the last phrase say? He exalted David's kingdom for whose sake? Israel's sake. Listen, leading is not about us. It's about those we lead. In other words, what is God doing in their life? The focus was not about David being the leader. The focus for God was, is that, hey, I love those people, and that's why I'm putting you in charge of those people. Not because you're anything great. It's because they're great. It's because I'm trying to do something in their life. Hey, listen, the children that we're raising, it's not about us being the parent. It's about the children that God's given us to raise for his honor and glory. You didn't have a choice on the kids that you had. God gave you those children. So in other words, it did the same thing with the church. You're, how many times have you heard me say you are not my people. And I'm not against preachers that say these are my people. They're, but they're not our people. They're God's people. Yeah. I purposely work at never saying you're my people because you're not my people. You're God's people. God. And I'm just so thankful that God lets me to be a, be a part of his people. I am blessed beyond measure, but I'm blessed beyond measure because of you. And not because of what you do for us. It's because God loves you and I get to be a part of that plan. Yeah. How? I'm your pastor. And that's what David was. The thing about David's life is God was building him to be the leader, but it wasn't about him leading. It was about the people he was going to lead. God said, okay, David, I'm going to establish you, but the reason I'm going to establish you, for their sake. Hey, I want to tell you something. You're going to lead people, but you have to remember the focus is not about you being the boss or the one in charge. It's about the people that God gives you to influence in your life. Praise Quickly, one more thing here, and I'll close this up here. Last of all is we must always be asking the Lord for direction Church, I mean, I'm not going to take you to them, but nine times, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2, 4, 30, verse 8, there's nine different verses. If you just look at the word inquired, nine times it says David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. He was king. Why did he have to inquire of the Lord? He was the king. I want to tell you why. Because there's a bigger king. Amen. You're not a good parent, but you've got a great God. Amen. I'm not a good pastor, but we've got a good God. Can I just tell you that we have to constantly in all thy ways acknowledge him that God would give us the leadership that we need to be able to touch and train, lead, influence others. That's why God chose David. Remember Saul? Saul, God told you to go kill Agag and everybody was with him. Why did you spare Agag? Well, the people. You know, the problem with Saul was is he never said, I've sinned, I was wrong, please forgive me. You know what the great thing about David was when he committed the sin with Bathsheba? Hey, David, there was this rich guy. He had a bunch of sheep. There was this poor guy. He had one lamb. That was it. The rich guy went over and stole the guy's lamb and ate it. Kill the man, David says. That's terrible. Thou art the man. 
You know what David's response was? I've sinned. I've sinned against God. I want to tell you something. God wants to use you, and it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. God wants to use you. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And the pieces of the puzzle are coming together every day that you're breathing. Don't decide you're not going to put the eggs in. Don't decide I'm going to skip the yeast. You need everything that God's bringing in your life. Mrs. Benson, ben, ben, uh, ben, Benton, I'm sorry, Lonnie, is in the back this morning, and she has surgery tomorrow, if I remember correctly. Uh, and she goes through back surgery, and she's been going through it. I mean, going, and by the way, church family, several of you, I, I just out here at the grapevine, you, you sent food over to her. Thanks for taking that chair over to her. I appreciate all of you guys that, are ta- that takes care of the brethren. That makes me happy. Makes God happy, by the way. Now, she's been going through this for quite a while, you, as far as this back pain. If she would just get right with God, all right? I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking, all right? She's, she's right with God. But you know what the thing that's going on is bent in life, and I'm going to use her as a public example because I'm going to tell you something. She's being needed. She, she's being punched. She's, the Lord's uh, making the dough soft because God's got a purpose and plan for her life. Amen. And she's no different than the rest of you. Ace, did your furniture ever come in? How many months have you been without your furnishings that was supposed to be sent here? How long? Three months? Rachel, that makes you happy not to have furnishings at home, doesn't it? The government packed up all their belongings for them to come and move up here, and their stuff's still not here. Try living in suitcases for three months. If your wife would just get right with God. Can I just tell you, some of you are going through things in your life, and what you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out how to get rid of an ingredient. It doesn't work. Now, I know my bread's not going to turn out like this. I know that. But you never know if it come close. Yeah, amen. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. I'm glad they put all the ingredients in it. Could use some grape jelly. Church family, I love you, and I, some of you, you're the, you're the sweetest thing. I'm glad the Lord brought you here. But sometimes you get out of source, and the reason you get out of source is because you're not happy with all the ingredients or what God's doing in your life, and it's just a matter of trust in the Lord. That's all it is. Because you know what? He sees the end. David was the leader for 40 years. You know why? Because he was a shepherd boy. Because he was an armor bearer. Because he was an obedient son. So make sure you just be pliable.